Word nerd. Wordsmith. Wordy. Wordless. Oxford Dictionary says a word is a single, distinct, meaningful element of speech or writing, used with others or sometimes alone. We say each one matters. No extra words is literature, minimalist style. And we're getting you right to the story. Farmer's Wife Turns Hubby into Scarecrow Mrs. Abigail Smith, 68, of Plainville, Iowa, was taken to the Plainville Police Station Tuesday afternoon for questioning when neighbors noticed that the scarecrow in her vegetable garden bore a striking resemblance to her husband, Mr. Harold Smith, who had been missing for five weeks. Following her brief incarceration and subsequent release for lack of hard evidence that any crime had been committed, Mrs. Smith was interviewed by the Plainville Daily Press. It's really quite simple, she explained in her statement. Mr. Smith and I had a wonderfully cordial relationship, even though he had gotten involved with Bessie Bloom of Forthright, Iowa, just down the road. That she is a floozy is immaterial. These things happen in life. Men have a tendency to stray, and I understood that perfectly and bore him no ill will. She smiled for the photographers and continued. At the same time, Mr. Smith had always been a practical man and so proud of our vegetable garden, which won prize after prize at the Plainville County Fair. His favorite motto was, Waste not, want not. So when he was stricken unexpectedly with this mysterious case of indigestion, and there were no visible wounds or unsightly disfiguration to his face or body, except for the slight grimace caused by the discomfort in his abdomen and lower intestines, I naturally thought to myself, Harold is obviously succumbing to the results of some unfortunate allergy. It's a holiday weekend. It was Easter week, and Dr. Billings is a devoted Catholic. I thought to myself, what would Harold want me to do in this situation? She smiled again and wiped a courageous tear from one eye. I thought of his deep love and pride in the vegetable garden. I thought that was the one place he would want to spend eternity if he were to be given the choice. And while I was thinking, he slumped over in his plate and stopped breathing. Mrs. Smith was overcome with emotion here and took a moment to compose herself. Then she continued. So I wrapped him in the tablecloth and dragged him out to the barn. I experimented with some insecticides, and they seemed to preserve his body nicely, though they stiffened it, which was an unexpected fringe benefit. She continued. I tenderly tethered him to the rake pole between the rows of snap peas and cauliflower, and planted his feet in the earth he so loved. The grimace added to the practical effectiveness of the scarecrow duties, and I felt he would be pleased at the reduction in the number of black crows who visit the garden. It was simply an oversight on my part not to inform the authorities of his passing, she explained. Following the public statement, Mrs. Smith left the police station and returned to the Smith farm. Bessie Bloom was seen standing at the edge of the crowd, dressed like a floozy, and weeping uncontrollably. Hello there! Welcome to No Extra Words, the Flash Fiction Podcast. My name is Chris Baker-Dirsch. I'm your producer and editor. I had a little bit of trouble coming up with the episode title today. 
And I just kept thinking of a line that you often hear when someone has cut sugar out of their diet or stopped smoking or whatever it is. Um, Do you live longer or does it just feel like it's longer? So in the case of the husband in Farmer's Wife Turns Hubby Into a Scarecrow, which you just heard, he's literally spending eternity in his cornfield. Um, But for some of these folks, they may not actually be spending eternity where they are. It just might feel like it. I don't know what I like better about the first story, the story itself, or Sally's reading of it. According to Sally, she's workshopped this story a couple of times at University of Iowa Writers Workshops out loud on sort of participant-only open mic nights, and it definitely has that feel to it. We've talked a lot before on this show about how sound and the art of oral storytelling brings a different dimension to a short story, and I can kind of tell stories that are used to being read out loud. But Sally's does this wonderful farmer's wife voice that brings a life to this story that I don't have the experience of hearing it for the first time like you guys do. I see these stories first in writing. They come to me as submissions in written form, and then we use the audio to bring them to life. And so the difference between when I read Sally's story, which was a lot of fun, but then she sends the recording of it and I get to hear it is just, it's night and day. Coming up next, a couple of other stories about um, some folks who are living a rural or at least somewhat rural lifestyle and I actually when I was looking at when I was stuck in the rabbit hole looking up a title for this episode I started asking Google um is living a rural lifestyle harder on relationships than living in a city I kind of started wondering um when there's a distraction of a big city around you do some of these little things that otherwise might drive you nuts not really manifest themselves as much and I'm left with that question as I hear the two stories that are ahead. So that's what's coming your way next. We hope you enjoyed last weekend getting to know Sarah Mitchell Jackson a little bit better. She was the second of what I'm hoping will be four. There are at least, there's at least one more coming, but I'm hoping there'll be four meet the author specials. And the next one is a couple weeks away. So lots to look forward to here on the podcast and coming up your direction, more stories. Have a great week. The Cat on Snow by Tim Frederick Have you ever tried to listen to the footsteps of a cat walking through snow? He takes gentle steps, as usual, but the top layer of snow, like the crust of creme brulee, betrays him. I watched the cat walk across the yard this morning, after five inches fell last night. The yard is a wide expanse, barren of anything but grass during the other months. This morning it was a canvas of snow, and I watched the cat from down the street walk slowly across my yard. In another universe, one where you stayed, you hate it, sad to see the pristine snow get ruined by small footprints. You, with your morning coffee steaming your glasses, call me over to the window and ask if I think we should chase him off the yard. I say no, and put my hand on your shoulder. I stand here in this universe without you and I let him walk undisturbed across the Siberian landscape, standing in for a standard suburban yard. The cat makes slow and steady progress across the yard, lifting one foot gently and then patting it down until he takes another step. I try to figure out the pattern of how his legs move, but just watching him transfixes me, hypnotizes me. By now you are outside with a broom yelling some kind of profanity, and I am inside crying at your cruelty. But without you, the cat is safe to cross the unknown span of winter desert, gingerly and silently stepping, 
feeling his way across what is at once familiar and completely new. Chickens. When Ellen wanted to kill the chickens, she knew it was time to move. Their experiment in country living was over. She and Brian had such high hopes two years earlier. He found a job at the school in Fredericktown. He would teach history, she would find something, and anyway, it didn't matter if she didn't find something right away because the housing prices were crazy low and they could finally get a little place with a few acres and plant a huge garden and get chickens and maybe goats or sheep. They weren't sure, since they were both raised in the suburbs and had no idea what animals they could raise. Ellen had wanted an old farmhouse ever since she fell in love with the bridges of Madison County several years earlier. I want a house like Francesca, an old farmhouse with a big kitchen. Brian would tease her. You know Clint Eastwood isn't going to arrive in a pickup and sweep you off your feet, don't you? He'd ask. No, but maybe you could get a truck and wear a few cameras around your neck, she laughed. Their friends in the city thought they were crazy. But after everyone left, they lay in bed talking. I think they're jealous, Ellen said. They wish they could come with us. Or they really do think we're crazy. It started out well, but after two months without finding a job, Ellen started to worry. After six months, she was ready to give up. Maybe we could get some chickens, sell the eggs for money, Brian said. After all, you aren't doing anything else all day. No, I'm not, she thought. She started to forget the shared dream. In her mind, the idea to move was his. She missed the mall, lunch with friends, wine bars, baseball games. We can do all that on the weekend, he said, but he was always busy at the school, taking on every extra project offered. We need the money. She threw herself into the chicken project. She visited the farm and home and bought a book that told her how easy this would be. She would be up to her knees and eggs in no time, the book assured her. First, she would need a coop, so she went back to the farm and home and bought the build-your-own coop kit. The nice older man working, who looked like he knew his way around a chicken coop, stopped her from buying three. Just start with one, then you can buy the lumber and wire and use the plans to make another. Brian started coaching track, and she started building chicken coops. Every Saturday, while he was on a bus to a distant town, she built another coop, until she had six. He would come home to lumber and wire on the ground. Geez, I'm never here, and when I am, all you can think about is those chickens. She went back to the farm and home for chickens, enough to fill the coops. The book's easy-to-follow instructions had failed to mention the smell. The chickens were like a baby, she thought, without the fun parts. She cleaned poop, fed them, and couldn't leave them alone for the night. She had to make sure they got back in their coops, tucking them in at the end of the day. She put a sign at the end of the road, fresh eggs for sale, and she waited. If she was lucky, she sold a dozen a day. So she made egg salad, fried eggs, deviled eggs, omelets, quiche, frittata. Could we please have a meal that doesn't involve eggs, Brian asked. Think of the money we're saving. Some of the teachers are going on a float trip to celebrate the end of the year. Have some fun before summer school, Brian said. Want to go? I can't. I can't leave the chickens overnight. Can't you find someone to watch them? Who? I don't know anyone here. You go off every day. You've met people. The longest conversation I've had lately has been with the chicken man at the farm and home. Well, you can stay, but I need to go. You know I want that assistant football coach's job in the fall, and this is my chance to spend time with the coach. She watched him leave Friday morning with an overnight bag and a tent. She went to her chickens, opened the gates, loaded her car. She drove north and didn't look back to see the chickens follow her down the drive. 
Thanks for listening to the No Extra Words podcast. For more information on today's stories and contributors, or to learn how to submit your own work, please visit us at noextrawords.wordpress.com. The best support you can give the show is to recommend us to your family and friends. See you next time.